0: Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. We are going to be continuing our study through Paul's letter, actual letters, to the church in Corinth. The beginning of this year, if you're new to our church, we were studying 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians, all of 1 Corinthians. And uh, one of the cool things that uh, we do here on Sunday mornings together is teach expositorily through the Bible. For the most part, uh, we'll have some topics and, and themes that will come up from time to time. But we, uh, we want to connect people with the Word of God and open it up for ourselves. And so we preach and teach and study chapter and verse through the Bible. And what's cool about that is that God gives us the topic and the theme every single week. And so uh, today, you might notice uh, the title of the message is the gift of giving. And so Paul is actually talking uh, about something he's already addressed to the church in, in Corinth in his first letter, and that is this mission fund that was to be collected in order to go towards other churches within their network and other saints and Christians in other cities who are in great need because of persecution and just the lack of supply of resources. And so, great, you, you might be thinking, great, I come to a church for the first time and the pastor's talking about giving. Well, listen, I didn't plan that. God did. But what's cool about that is that uh, we are seeing many of this type of generosity and giving, not only in our church But Paul is going to encourage uh, us to excel in this type of gift. Uh, I mentioned that the title of the message today is The Gift of Giving. I think you could also say it's The Grace of Giving because Paul, in chapter 8 and chapter 9, which these two chapters, it's kind of a lot of content to get to. We we probably won't read every verse, but you can read it on your own at home. But just touching on this issue of generosity and of giving and of partnering in the ministry and the work of God. And so... uh, this this uh, gift of giving is a grace, and it's rooted in the example of Jesus Christ. And so, the point for us to remember today, as we read through and study this uh, these two chapters, is that living for God leads to giving towards others. Living to be consecrated. In fact, Paul uses this word that uh, we should be consecrated and dedicated. In the previous chapter, last week, we talked about the marks of a Christian. What what a, a follower of Jesus Christ looks like, and it looks like godliness. looks like purity and holiness. We talked about how we should be blameless uh, in our lives, even though we might go through affliction or difficulty. Paul also encouraged the church in the previous chapters to have holiness through separation, meaning God said, "I want you, as my people to be distinct and, and unique and look different." From the world, separation, the word we used last week was sanctification, which is a big fancy word that means to be made holy, to be purified and changed more into the image of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, Paul said that there is righteousness through conviction. He said that uh, although my letter to you, church in Corinth, brought you sorrow, it was godly sorrow. And that godly sorrow, meaning you were broken over the mistakes and er errors and sins in your life, it brought about repentance. And that repentance changed. So now, in continuation of that same thought... Paul is saying, if this is what a follower of Jesus looks like, then these are some of the activities. And Paul is addressing this fund that was to be collected. In fact, he talked about this with the church over a year ago. And there's been a lot of preparation. You remember in 1 Corinthians, he mentioned about the process of how to give. He said that it should be prayerful. And regular, So this has been an ongoing thing that the church has been donating to this fund. And uh, now they're at the point of collecting and administering and re- distributing this to the other churches as Paul would come back to the city. And so we're going to see this in a, in a couple of ways, just a very simple outline and uh, some points to remember as we read through. So we just kind of stay focused on this theme of living for God and giving towards others. First, we're going to see uh, Paul talk about how the church... Uh, how being devoted to God uh, moves us towards liberal giving towards others. Secondly, we're going to see that Jesus is the example of sacrificial living. We're going to see his sacrifice and how that that roots us in this type of lifestyle. Thirdly, we're going to see that Paul exhorts the church towards missional funding. And then lastly, we're going to see that joy is the expression of financial blessing. So, a lot to take in. Uh, we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So Paul is going to talk about churches in Macedonia. It's another region of the area, where despite going through a lot of persecution, maybe even having limited resources, Paul would go on to say in this chapter that they had an ability, and in that ability, they purposed in their heart to give what they could to this fund, but they even exceeded that. And uh, there's this extreme sense of, of, uh, of devotion to the Lord, of care and concern for others uh, in the body of Christ and other churches uh, but also, it's rooted here in the grace that God has given them. So uh, they're expressing a lot of faith, even though they're releasing the resources that they have to help other people. And so there's this contrast between those who might be poor in physical, material possessions, but they are really rich spiritually in the way that they are devoting themselves to the Lord and His work. Verse 3 says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, And beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift. The gift is the the fund, the money, the finances towards, uh, towards those in need and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but this is very important, not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. Everyone say first. This is the first thing they did. Before giving to the work of God, they gave themselves to the Lord himself. And I've often said, and I believe, that God doesn't need our money, but he wants our heart. God has resources beyond all of us combined. However, when we release those to the Lord and we live a life of open-handedness to God, not tight-fisted to God, uh, then we realize that everything we have in, in life is from the Lord. And he begins, as Paul would say, uh, in chapter 9, that this is the principle of sowing and reaping, of living generously to the Lord. Uh, and so God just continues to pour, pour those resources into us so that they can be poured out uh, through us. And so Paul says that first they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you. Titus was the, the man along with two others that are not named, uh, who would travel to the various cities and collect uh, the fund and then distribute them as needed. So Titus began this work and uh, he's also going to complete it. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace as well. What is the grace? The grace of giving, the grace of generosity, the the grace of care and concern. Now, we're going to get to, just in these following verses, the impact of what Jesus, his sacrificial living has on the way that we give towards others. But first, let's just make mention of a couple of things. In this first point, we see that consecration excels the church towards liberal giving. Now, when we say church, we don't mean a building. We don't mean a pastor. We don't mean a con- uh, a denomination or a physical address. We mean the people. So we could see that when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, it moves us in the direction of living a life that is liberal and giving to God. In fact, the scripture says that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the picture of Jesus in the Gospels and even in Paul's letters uh, describe for us how sacrificial Jesus is and how that impacts our lives as well. But Paul uses this contrasting between the poverty and the prosperity that the churches in Macedonia as well as the churches in Corinth have. They say, Paul says that even uh, out of their lack, they were willing to give generously. There was a lot of trial Paul talks about there was a lot of affliction, there was even uh, limited resources. However, Paul says that first, before they collected, before they gave, before they uh, supported the work of the Lord, they gave themselves and devoted themselves and consecrated. Now, that's kind of a big fancy word that basically means devotion, or in what Paul said in the previous chapters, being set apart. When you're devoted, Uh, to the Lord, that means you've given yourself wholly to Him. And you say, God, what I have in my life, I want you to use for your purpose uh, and for your pleasure. In fact, there's another scripture that says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, God will give us the desires of our heart. And I think that's a very dangerous scripture verse, because oftentimes we think about, well, what are my desires? And if I just uh, try to use this verse as a way to manipulate God, so to speak... I'm sure you guys don't think that way, but uh, maybe sometimes just inherently we think, okay, well, if, if God would give me my desires, the desires of my heart, but the cool thing is that when you delight yourself in God, how do you delight yourself in God? Well, you do that by drawing close to him. How do you delight yourself in a relationship that you have with your spouse or with your kids? You spend time with them. You uh, do things with them. You get to know them. You learn their likes and their fears. You help them. The same thing is true of delighting yourself in the Lord. You have fellowship. And those things that we might think that are are a drudgery or an obligation or a routine are really the things that bring the delight of God in our lives. And uh, that morning devotion or that going to Sunday church or that going to life group or serving at that outreach does not become a peer pressure thing because, oh, I guess they need the money. Oh, I guess they need someone to help. No, it becomes a joy and a delight. And do you realize that when you delight yourself in the Lord, get to know Him and start serving Him, then His desires become your desires. That's a cool thing. What God's heart is for other people, you begin to uh, pursue them With all of your energy, all of your time, all of your talents and treasure. And so, basically, the principle here is that before we give generously to others, we must first uh, surrender totally to God. God does not need, as I said earlier, God does not need or even want your money. But He wants your heart. He wants uh, us to be fully surrendered to Him. And when we are delighting ourselves in Him and fully devoted to Him, then He begins to open up a grand opportunity of experiences that we can serve Him. However, there, I think, is um, a challenge in our culture because many times we think about the successful life. What is a successful life? Well, we can be deceived into thinking that a successful life is pursuing the American dream. Now that's just a cultural thing. That's not to say it's bad or good. But the American dream can be well if I just have this home and I have this career and I have this 401k and I have this toys, and I have this wife or this spouse or this husband and I have this dog and I have this cat, and uh, I have this 2.5 kids. I don't know where the point five comes from, but that's what they say is on average, in an American home. But And we think, well, it's just everything would be a part of what the American dream would be. Now, that's okay to a certain extent, but that's not a biblical dream. A biblical dream, or more specifically, a biblical vision, is having a vision for God's heart and the calling that God has on my life. That's not to say those things are bad, but we tend to think that a successful life is if I have those things, then I'm successful. But the Bible actually teaches something completely different. Friends, listen, this is important. An abundant life is the result of what you give, not what you get. It's how we give to the Lord. That's what Jesus says. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's what Jesus, now that's counterintuitive to what we think and how we pursue and the pressures that we have in our culture. But you realize, you're probably realizing this even now, that the more money you have in the bank is not going to make you more happy. In fact, you could talk to so many of the most successful people, and you realize that there's still worries, there's still fears, there's still uncertainties, there's still anxieties, even though you could have all the unlimited resources in the world that is not going to make you happy. It's not going to satisfy you. In fact, Jesus said when he was talking to a woman uh, in Samaria, who was trying to satisfy the need in her life, the hole and the void in her life through relationships. And he said, if you go back to these relationships, you are going to thirst. It was was an analogy. He was saying, you're going to thirst. You're going to want more and more and more. It's not going to satisfy. But if you drink of the water that I give to you, then there will be streams of living water coming out of your life that you will be completely satisfied. And so... Abounding in everything Paul says to the church in Corinth, you're abounding in faith, you're abounding in speech, you're abounding in the knowledge of God and diligence and love. Abound and excel in flipping around this theme and, uh, you know, understanding of living a life of generosity, to excel in this towards giving towards others. And this is all rooted, as I said, in the person of Jesus Christ and his example. Look at verse 8 of chapter 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So that's good to know. Paul is not coming out really dropping the hammer on this church and saying, you've got to give. In fact, later on he would say, giving to the work and the ministry of God should be uh, a, a joy. And it should be a willingness of our hearts because First, we've been surrendered to God. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See that word grace comes up again. There's a grace of giving. There's a grace of faith. There's also the grace uh, of God through Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness and a desire to do it, that is to collect, uh, you know, finances to help other people in need and to distribute to other churches and saints in other regions, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For... If there is first a willing mind, it is is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what uh, he does not have. For I do not mean that the others should be eased by you being burdened by inequality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, and that their abundance may supply your lack. You see how we're meeting and ministering to the needs of others. We saw this uh, in the beginning and the birth of the church. Where the preaching of the gospel, we saw through Peter, there was 3,000 people who got saved and as this early church began to grow then there was a lot of there were a lot of needs because we're told in the beginning of acts that there was persecution against the christians because they were a follower of this jesus guy who was crucified but now apparently and supposedly he's alive and so the roman authorities were trying to extinguish the way or christianity or followers of jesus but the persecution actually brought revival and fire and passion and urgency and sincerity and truth and love within the church that they began to serve and minister and love one another. So this is being shared. Amongst the churches, and also supplying their lack, that there may be equality as it is written, He who was gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. And so we see here in this kind of second point that Jesus is the example of sacrificial living. And there's a wonderful verse in Philippians chapter two uh, that talks about the sacrificial servant of Jesus, that uh, we should not look out for our own interests but also for the interests of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. This is a mindset, living sacrificially for other people is a mindset. And uh, that mindset is established in the person of Jesus Christ. We see this grace of giving is grounded in the goodness of Jesus. To understand how Jesus has given so much for us, here's the King of Kings coming and humbling himself as the servant of servants. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed with his disciples, put on the servant's towel. And he said, I have washed your feet. Go and do likewise. Jesus encourages us to follow his example. And that example entails living a life of sacrifice and service towards others. It's rooted in the goodness and the grace of God. But he also talks about how not only was Jesus rich, he was made poor. So, similarly, we are so tremendously blessed. I mean, is great opportunities just to take a snapshot of our lives and realize that uh, in Southern California, although the price of gas is crazy high and there's all kinds of other crazy things going on, we are tremendously blessed. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to travel abroad or to go into third world countries, maybe on mission trips or maybe it was business trips and you saw the enormous amount of need. There is a tremendous amount of of resources that we have, of blessing that we have. And sometimes we just take them for granted and we think, well, if I just had more, then, you know, it would... Uh, you know, it's a, I guess it's a, the idea of being content. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain, but we kind of flip that verse around and say, well, if I had more gain, then I would be more content. But many of us in this room know that that's not the case. When we are content with what God has given and realize the enormous amount of riches that we have, not only spiritually, but... Uh, In materially and resources, then we realize that we can follow Jesus' example as well and see that sacrifice leverages the lots that we have in order to supply the lack that others have. I mean lots, like we have a lot, (laughs) basically. We have a lot. God has given us a lot. And when we leverage the sacrifice of Jesus in the a lot that we have, we are able to meet and minister and really see people through the eyes of Christ and see the need that is there and, uh, and supply the lack that is missing in other people's lives. And so this is really the example of Jesus. Now, I, I want to make mention of the following verses because in uh, the remainder of chapter 8, in the beginning of chapter 9, Paul is going to talk about basically the nuts and bolts of this collection, of this preparation uh, as well as uh, 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 the distribution of the mission fund. And so um, we won't read all of these verses, but the end of chapter 8, Paul talks about Titus and two other individuals who will be used to collect the mission fund in the church in Corinth and uh, distribute that. And I just see accountability and transparency so that Paul isn't the one lone ranger who is uh, controlling things, but there is a plurality of leadership in order to provide this type of accountability for this large fund that the church is giving. Over a year, regularly, Paul said to them in the First Corinthians that it should be on the first week, so every single week they're setting aside not only of their offerings uh, excuse me, of their ties to the local church in order to provide for the ministry that God was doing in their church, uh, but also for the ministry and the needs of other churches and other Christians in the region. And so, uh, we see Paul talk about the people, We talk; he talks about the preparation, uh, the process, as well as the purpose. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 9. Paul says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous uh, for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be uh, in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Paul's basically saying, hey, look, we talked about this a year ago. I want you to be ready when these guys come, so that we can really bless the churches and provide for the needs. Uh, and so in verse 4, he says, Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity. This is important a matter of generosity connected to being consecrated and devoted to the Lord, directly connected with the person and example and ministry of Jesus Christ, this generosity would be open-handed to others, not as a grudging obligation. I think that's really important because maybe you might have been in a pressure situation from time to time people might share or talk or uh, maybe you've been to churches or charity events where you felt a lot of pressure have you ever been in situations like that where you feel like oh here comes the basket or here's okay what's the sell?" now I'm not talking about those timeshares that you go to those are really hard tactics right it's like what can I get out of this I got to sit through this whole entire presentation so I can get what am I even gaining from this I'm not even sure but there is a hard sell And uh, Paul is not doing that in the work of the ministry. Paul is not pressuring the church to give. There's no thermometer up on stage. There's no pleading and crying. There's no, sew into the ministry, and I'll give you a special handkerchief that is blessed with who knows who. That's that's horrible. That's manipulation. Paul is saying this should be a generous thing that we give to others because we all know that We will always resent a charitable donation given in a pressure situation. It'll be resentful. We will resent it without okay, I guess I gotta give it. It's just okay, well, there's a lot of pressure. Okay, there's a lot of need. But the opposite is true. We will never resent, it actually will be rejoiceful. You will always rejoice in a charitable donation, when when it's given in generosity to the Lord. And from time to time, moment to moment, there can be needs on the fly, but there can also be uh, needs that we prepare for. And that's what Paul talks about, be prepared. There is an intentionality that comes into play when we participate in the mission of God. Thirdly, Paul exhorts the church towards missional funding. There are ongoing needs There are networks of churches, of which we are a part of many as well, that we can partner and help alleviate those needs because we can do so much more together than we could ever do alone. But it needs to be intentional, Paul says, be prepared. You see, we must be intentional to support the missional work of God. He says to prepare in our hearts, not out of obligation, not out of peer pressure, because generosity is a voluntary enjoyment. Not a mandatory uh, mandatory requirement it's not a requirement where we are forced to give, and oh boy, wow, here it goes pastors talking about giving again, and how much more can I give and there's just a lot of pressure. Uh, God does not desire for us to be in a situation where we are giving out of pressure but out of enjoyment and joy and that really leads us to the uh, final point and really the heart of the matter of generosity and and giving towards the work of the Lord and in just a few moments we're going to partake of communion together as well in celebrating and remembering this great sacrifice of Jesus on the cross but look at verse 6 the cheerful giver maybe you have that as a title to uh, your scriptures that you have but this I say He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Everyone say heart. It's a very important point to remember where the decisions of finances come from. It's not the the balance sheet or the bank account. And uh, so he says, so let each one give according to what they purpose in their heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver wanna say cheerful Okay, now say it with a big smile on your face. Cheerful. Yes, there it is, right? Now this word actually means like laughter and like, oh, isn't this just so great? Isn't it hilarious? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this great that we get to give and we get to see people come to Christ and we get to help our brothers and sisters in the Lord who uh, don't have anything or they don't have a meal for this week and we get to see this church that has a vision to reach the homelessness in their community and we're a part of that. We were... uh, We were, um, not confronted is not the right word, but we were approached by an organization in our city that uh, deals with the foster care system and realized that it's in many ways broken. And there are so many kids in the foster care system who are experiencing such brokenness, such heartache, such loneliness, and such despair. And this ministry, Restoration 225, is uh, providing resources for families who are taking in foster care kids and helping them, not only infants, but also uh, young adults. There's issues and challenges that young adults have, having grown up through the foster care system, bouncing from one place to the next, rejection after rejection after rejection, and this ministry approached us and said, would you be willing to uh, supply a small room on your property or in your church for resources and diapers and baby formula and clothes and, uh, and books so that when a family takes in a foster child from the system, they don't, sometimes they'll get a word about this child being placed in their home within uh, a couple of hours. And they don't have those resources, and now they're they're able to come to Quest Church and uh, and get those resources so that they're prepared to love them. Does that sound like something you as Quest Church would like to do? Oh, okay, I maybe so. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that's a great opportunity. I think it's a wonderful thing to put our resources together. We have 11 acres here at the church. Could we not carve out one little room so that there could be a resource center for the foster care children in our home? I say yes and amen. I'm all for that. And if somebody is touched to help with that, then just talk to me. Talk to Miss Lonnie. She's helping set that up. And and talk to Jamie. I believe she's helping as well. But uh, you see, as needs come up, as opportunities, be ready. Now, there's an on-the-fly ready, and I just kind of put you guys on the spot there. You're like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, sure. But there's also things that are are ongoing that we can prepare and set aside and be ready for out of joy and to purpose in our heart. Because Paul says that the heart is where financial decisions start. That's where it starts. Oftentimes, we go to the ability and to the resource. We say, okay, well, what is... Uh, what, what are our, our incomes, and what are our outs, and uh, what do I have left? Well, what if we said, God, all of this is yours, and uh, you just take you just take whatever you want. And I know that, as Paul goes on to say, so let each one give, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, friends, don't forget this, and God is able to make all grace abound. You see, the grace not only is the goodness of Jesus. The grace is not only the gift of giving, but the grace is also the resources of God to supply all your need and all God's need. There's a wonderful saying that, it's not scripture, but uh, one of the pastors have said that uh, where God guides, God provides. And as God guides you and leads you, and He puts things on your hearts to help with the foster care system in San Diego or to help with homelessness in San Diego or to help with the kids uh, in sports and to be a coach in San Diego or whatever it is, then God's going to resource that vision. God's going to resource that calling. God's going to resource Quest Church and all that he's called us to do. And uh, it's going to be bigger and better than a pastor can organize uh, or or even an individual can or committees or whatever it is. God's going to provide for those resources. My God is able to make all grace. Can you say that? Can you say my God? Yeah, right? My God is able, our God is able to make all grace abound to you in always having the sufficiency in all things in your life, but also may have the abundance of every good work. Did we not just sing that God is always working? Do you not now or have wanted to, even walking into this room, to be a part of the good work that God is doing in your life and in the lives of people around you. Friends, as we said, success is not in what we get. It's in how we give because it's a cheerfulness that God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, friends, joy is the universal currency of financial generosity. It's the universal currency that passes through every Christ follower of Jesus. And that's the double Christ follower because you're Christ and Jesus. As you follow him, it's the currency, the joy of financial generosity and blessing to the Lord and to others. And ultimately, we'll have our worship team come on up and uh, lead us in, in a song as we prepare for communion. But ultimately, this leads to thankfulness. As Paul says, now... May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Unfortunately, TV evangelists, I wouldn't call them evangelists, but TV predators would take this verse and use it to twist and manipulate you into giving towards their work. There is never a pressure in the gentleness of Jesus Christ or in the true uh, called apostles and ministers and pastors and servant leaders of God. There is never a twisting, there is never a manipulation, and there is never a personal gain. We're not here to build our own kingdom, we're not here to build Quest Church Kingdom. Now I think that there is great, wonderful opportunity that we have with the 11, 12 acres that God has blessed us with, that is a continuation of the legacy of many people before us, but how can we then continue to leverage what God has given us as a church? Many of these buildings are, are, we are so very grateful for, but they are temporary, temporary. Temporary trailers, uh, they're temporary structures or temporary buildings, and we're doing the best we can to uh, be good stewards of them to fix our walkways. And you probably see many of the things that we do need to fix. And we're a, a work in progress, and that's a good thing because God is always at work, and so there'll always be something to do here at the church. But I can envision and see God continuing to use this place as a way where we would teach kids in school where we would have a community space for people in our area to be refreshed by the Lord, where uh, we could have worship and and outdoor events and venues that would draw people to the goodness and the grace of God. But that does require some money. (laughs) That does require some sacrifice. That does require some vision. And no, we're not going to take an offering right now. But I'm encouraging all of us to lean in to the generosity of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives, but also to live a life of this towards others and to invest ourselves into what God is doing because he will supply everything that he places in your heart. So with that, let's pray and uh, we'll also partake of communion together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word and this encouragement and this message. As you know, it is not a topic I would choose to preach on. But it is something that you want to teach me and I know you want to teach all of us. And at the heart of that is Jesus Christ and being devoted to him. Help us to break free of the deception of our culture that says get, get, get. Build, build, build. And let us just End however many days, months, years, or breaths you've given us with nothing left in the tank because we've spent it all, we've given all, we've lived all, we've sacrificed all. And then we hear our Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, you were the faithful servant and you've made this all possible. As we worship As we partake of communion, Lord, thank you for this sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.